0: Welcome aboard the battleship Retention. I'm Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing?
1: Um, I'm. Well, uh, h- how am I doing now when we're recording this, or how am I doing more than a week from now when people are hearing it? Uh, let's go both. Uh, right now, I'm feel- second part first. Oh, second part first. I'm probably very tired okay. uh, from Comic Con, uh, and right now, first part second. I'm anxious about Comic Con, hmm. and weirdly having some like asthma symptoms today.
0: Boy, oh boy. That's not good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, I'm really tired right now. For some reason, it's just been a very... This whole week, I haven't been getting a lot of sleep, but uh, partially because I've been working my ass off, staying up even later than usual and waking up earlier than usual so that I am ready for Comic-Con from a work standpoint.
1: Oh, I thought you meant you were staying up and like doing your waiting in line exercises. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or you're like saying, how, how fast me? can I
0: set up a tent? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, no, uh, practicing my question, my, my Q and a questions that are ultimately just about myself. Yeah. That
1: you know, kind of thing. um, I know I, I don't know how often I do on the podcast, but in in general I give the whole, uh, Chris Hardwick thing a, a hard time. I give Chris Hardwick a hard time cause there are things about him that, uh, rub me the wrong way. Sure. But, uh, he, ha- I don't know if it's him or if it's someone in the Nerdist camp came up with the word uh, quemence for those, which are questions that are really comments. <laughs> ah, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Quemence. And I'm a big fan of uh, any portmanteau. Um, anyway. That's, uh, a,
0: that's a hell of a
1: wine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, a port is a wine. Uh, anyway, uh, I was trying to think of a portmanteau using the word wine. Uh, but I can't think of one. All right. Uh, the, yeah. This is we're clearly off our game today. Yeah, I'm very sleepy, and it's just not our normal recording time. The yeah. sun is out. Yeah, it's
0: yeah, it's it's bright out. I actually just recorded something else that I won't go into, but uh, I but recorded something exciting. else. It, it is yes, and uh, it'll be available sometime in the future. Um, but uh, so yeah, I've already spent a lot of time talking today, uh, so I don't have. Also, I, I'm so used to talking about at the top of the show, the double feature podcast, but that sponsorship has ended. And so right. I don't know what to talk about. You know what? Yeah, Don't listen to them. That's what I say. <laughs> I go the other
1: way. Until they come back. <laughs> exactly. No, that's not true. Please. You
0: please. should assume if I'm not talking about something, <laughs> I really am shooing you away
1: from it. That's a good rule. Yeah, good rule for podcast listening. Mm-hmm. Oh, are we talking about things in gen- podcasts or just in general? Everything. Okay. So if you haven't talked about, I don't know, Shrimp Scampy. Oh, yeah. The it, assumption is stay away from it. Tyler is anti okay. Shrimp uh, or or Scrimp Shampy. Yeah, yeah.
0: Who um, <laughs> is a great uh, silent comedian? <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, here's what I wanted to talk about. It's a a little bit sad the way we get in, I'm going to get into this, but it just brought up a question. Um, and then we'll get into the topic. All right. But, uh, and this ties in because, you know, we're recording early because we're at San Diego comic con and, um, San Diego Padres, great Tony Gwynn died a few weeks ago. Um, and he was a fantastic baseball player, fantastic hitter. Um, and by all accounts, a, a great guy. Um, and, one of those things about him being a great guy is, you know, so I listen to baseball podcasts and stuff like that, and people— Really? You
0: listen to baseball, too?
1: Yeah, pretty much any—I listen to hockey, baseball, and football podcasts, pro and college football. Just wow. I just don't like basketball. Those are the only four or the four that I don't like.
0: Hockey, I absolutely knew. I knew that you liked baseball. I didn't know you liked it that much. And football, that one I didn't know, I think,
1: at all. Oh, no, come on. I mean, especially college football. You know that I'm a big fan of Mizzou, Mizzou Tigers, Uh, M-I-Z, Z-O-U. I don't don't think so. Okay. Um, (laughs) M-O-U-S-E? Yeah, that's right. Uh, But on podcasts and stuff, people, media, baseball journalists, baseball writers, baseball media, Mm -hmm. were stepping over themselves to um, praise Tony Gwynn Mm -hmm. again. That's right, but what one thing that kept coming up that felt a little jarring to me was that they would mention how open he was with the press, as if that was mm. uh, like uh, as if that was evidence of him being a nice guy, a- and the implication being that baseball players who aren't uh, who are a little closed off when it comes to the press, like a Ken, Ken Griffey Jr., are less nice people. Okay, and um. That went like, the wrong way, and it and it made me think of certain uh, film directors, maybe um, like an Edgar Wright, who might mm-hmm. be a little, or uh, you know, a little chummy, or maybe a John Favreau before no. uh, everyone hated Cowboys and <laughs> Aliens, uh, a little chummy with, with 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 the with the geek media, okay. and I wonder if that's a problem, or am I just jealous that I'm not friends with Edgar Wright yet.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, well, I think um, I do think that it's it's just a matter of time before. I mean, okay, let's let's fast forward five years from now, and there are and you know, Pat Healy has become a a very well known actor rather than what he is now, which is a very dependable and constantly working supporting actor that people know by face, but probably not by. Well, he's name. been a lead. He has absolutely yes, but he's known primarily as a character actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people whose name people probably don't know, and that's nothing against him or anything. But his star is definitely on the rise right mm-hmm. now, I think. And so let's cut to five years from now, or maybe Rodney does more stuff, or any number of the people that that we've had on the show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, in five years, if they're doing well, and let's say let's say this show continues to rise at the pace at which it currently is so we'll be doing pretty well too uh and then we'll be we'll be in solid with with these guys then what happens if they release a movie we don't like
1: yeah i mean that's I mean,
0: it's that's always the concern but ultimately like it's you know
1: i mean yeah what like you, you're naming people were specifically friendly with there are people who have been on the show before like uh aj bowen was on the podcast mm-hmm. when you weren't um and uh it did cross my mind while because the 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 sacrament the last movie right. he was and i really didn't like it and it did cross my mind while writing the review like oh, yeah. that's a little weird that um but but i think that's part of uh i i guess i think that's a review is a different thing um right the, and it's and i think most people are able to have you seen life itself yet no not yet uh you're gonna love it yeah i'm sure uh but they you know it's one of the issues that comes up is that some critics didn't like um how close of friends roger ebert would be to people like martin scorsese and Bernard herzog and younger people like ramin barani um but you know steve james pulls out um the siskel and ebert uh review of the color of money which um roger ebert hated Uh, You know, and interviews Martin Scorsese about that fact, and and he's uh, very gracious about it. Uh, So I guess I'm saying a review is a different thing. than Because we don't, you and I don't go on set visits. Right. And I've often wondered, it's not, by the way, listeners, we're not like on our high horse. I'm not saying we made a choice not to go on set visits. We don't get invited on set visits. But I have wondered if I would, if I were invited. I would want to travel, you know, and, 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 you know, people who got to go to the guardians of the the galaxy set, uh, in London last Mm -hmm. year, I would have loved to go to London for that, but actually doing the set visit and being expected to write something based on that set visit and the incredibly, uh, choreographed presentation of, of of the shoot that, uh, sounds like, um, a nightmare to me. That doesn't sound fun at all. And I think if we were off the a set visit, I would probably see if, you or, you know, if a press person offered me a set visit, I would see, can we send someone besides me? Because I don't, as much as I would like to travel, I don't think I'd want to go.
0: I don't think, I think it would be, part of me would want to go because I think it would be fun to see all the behind the scenes stuff. But only but I going to show you. What was that? That's the other thing, is feeling like, okay, well, now I'm being used. Uh-huh, I'm exactly. being wined and dined. I mean, it happens all the time. You hear about, um, you know, the press junket that, uh you know, press people are are treated very well, they're flown out, they're winding up. They get to ride in the tank
1: with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Oh,
0: absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And so, um now, and that's not to say that just, you know, if that were to happen that you would still that and the film that it was about was terrible that you'll you know, that you won't tear into it the way you yeah. would otherwise. But uh especially when it comes to something like a set visit, which is it's not review based, it's more just Hey, we can use a critic's enthusiasm for the way movies are made to push the movie itself, regardless of what the quality might be. Yeah. And so, um, but again, that's uh, that. Yeah, that i that idea of a critic or or the press, you know, being friendly with a specific artist or yeah, that's or figure, yeah, because
1: I th- feel like we were getting away from my initial yeah. point, even though that is the set whole the set visits. Uh, I feel like we could do a whole episode talking about our opinion, and we should probably have a guest on who sure. has been on them, because um, that would be a really fascinating. Yeah,
0: Kyle uh, went on a set visit. Um, uh, yeah, I don't
1: think we are supposed to say. Uh, oh, oops. What it was the recent one? Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to say what it was. Okay, yeah. I was just going to um, say Kyle was. Yeah, and um, uh, but no, what, what I'm what I'm saying is because even you know I joke about the 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 Last Stand press junket where the. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger literally drove people around in a tank. Yeah, that to me, uh, if you know, if that's your beat, if that's what you cover as a writer, that's fine. And I think everyone, everyone knows the deal there. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger isn't really uh, trying to pretend like he's going to be best friends with these people, and they're going to go on right. weekly tank rides. Um, it's it's that's a that's a business. Biz- <laughs> um, that's a business decision. <laughs> that's uh, uh, somebody
0: just called David and that is his ring, enjoy.
1: I don't know if it, that was enough of it for people to tell what it is. Okay. Well, it's just loud and <laughs> yeah. abrupt. Um uh but uh what I'm talking about I guess is more like this personal one-on-one openness with the press. Um and whether or not that's well, In your opinion, why would that be a bad thing? I don't know that it, I don't know that it is. Okay um i just wonder i was just wondering in light of the way that tony gwynn was talked about by press um how much are people taking that into consideration as um a judgment on a person's character and how much is people perhaps unfairly judging someone who was closed off to the press like a christopher nolan say yeah. as opposed to you know judging him negatively based on his uh bad movies <laughs> but it's <laughs> just joking uh you know that that's really what i'm more worried about i don't think there's that much harm in people saying oh edgar wright's a great guy because he's nice yeah to press even though yeah maybe edgar wright you know beats his wife or whatever meanwhile terrence malick is just a huge asshole <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah that's what i'm uh i really don't think edgar wright beats his wife that <laughs> was maybe yeah. a badly specific example yeah. um but uh what I'm more worried about is the idea that someone is a jerk because they don't talk to the press. Whereas to me, that's part of their job. You know, I wish, uh, I wish every, every director were like Terrence Malick. I wish directors never did press. Oh, absolutely. That would, I would, I would love that. I know certain people love to read that stuff and some people make their living writing that stuff. Yeah. So they probably wouldn't want that, but, uh, that would be an ideal situation for me. And I don't think, you know, to go back to sports, um, there's uh the guy who used to be the coach in the new york rangers and the vancouver canucks named john tortorella who is uh famously um a just <laughs> you have to watch his press conferences they're mm-hmm. funny to me because he's such a jerk I and mean, when people would say like when when uh, a reporter would say so such and such happened in the third period uh talk about that will you and he'll say what don't talk, ask me a question. Yeah, tell yeah. me to Talk about it. Like he would <laughs> yeah. say this to I'm the reporter. I'm not going to do your job for <laughs> you. <Yes>, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Whereas there are, there's hockey media that, uh, thinks John Tortorella is a huge jerk because of that.
0: Yeah. It happens in politics as well. Uh, one of the only, uh, I'll, I might be too tired to adopt a subtle tone. So I apologize. Um, <laughs> subtlety does take a lot of work. It does. <laughs> it really does. It's like a tightrope every day. um, I'm of the opinion that the press is maybe a little harder
1: on Republicans than Democrats. Okay. I don't uh, read – I I, I don't read or watch the same things that you do. So maybe I don't have that. I'm very selective in what political news I read. I try to – I try to go left, right, and then
0: I specifically, t- and then I realize like, okay, well, both of both left and right, they have their job to do. So now,
1: what does the center look like? Well, to and me, so it looks, looks like Politico, but I know you have some problems with Politico as well. They're not, but Politico not is terrible. what I read yeah, because the, they cover politics. The they cover politics as if it's sports. They don't. Yeah, they, and they, which can be sometimes a little. um cynical i think that they're talking about serious issues but they're really talking more about it in terms of like wins and loss but it is a way that i can digest news about politics without getting angry
0: there is a yeah there is a a show on fox news live which is the online thing which has a different tone incidentally okay i still don't like most of it but there's a thing called political insiders it's with two democrats and a republican who have political experience uh like extensive political experience, like working on presidential campaigns and stuff like that. Um, and that's really interesting because many of them, like all three of them are now outside politics directly. And so they speak very openly. That's neither here nor there. Uh, so what I will say is regardless of what you might think about, uh, the, the way the uh, press, the press treats Republicans, um, they were very friendly with John McCain because he was he was known as a guy who would take every question, mm-hmm. and I mean there was the whole straight talk thing that he put out there, and he was always very open with the press and they had a very favorable view of him, and they thought they really liked him he was He was just very very transparent in a lot of ways but then but what would happen is a couple of things: other uh, high profile Republicans and maybe high-profile politicians in general. Let's put it that way. They did what most politicians did, which was, yeah, they're not going to broadcast everything, yeah. you know. And so they were treated, uh, especially like in the 2008 campaign, they were treated as a little bit withholding. But then, and that was during the primary. But then the other thing that what that happened is that then McCain got the nomination, and he had to be. A different type of politician. He was mm-hmm. a senator, and then he was, you know, running in the primaries in two thousand, and then two thousand eight. But now he's the actual nominee. He's running for president. He can't be exactly what he was, and the press started to turn on him, and uh, just a little bit, saying that oh, he's not what he used to be, and it and it sound it's like well, yeah, he's not. He's now something that uh, that everybody is. But I guess you know, a, and there's a big deal and this is this happens in hollywood as well the idea of access people want access and if you if you grant them access awesome and then if you don't that's terrible but then if you used to and now you don't that's like the worst thing and that's and that's true of probably anything press related
1: And, and it's also completely understandable because we're talking about human beings there are humans involved in this but i think exactly i feel like it's there should be a Between any kind of press and the thing they're covering, I would say a respectfully adversarial relationship is ideal. I agree completely, and I and I I think in I don't want to make this exactly you know specifically about film um, or politics or sports. I think it happens all over the place uh, with media where those lines um, are blurred, and uh, it just worries me sometimes. But All it, that said, Tony is, Gwynn was a great baseball player. Absolutely. I,
0: but that's the thing. It is it is still possible to be close friends, you know, for a critic to be close friends with a, with a director. I mean, yeah. Herzog and, and Roger Ebert were close friends, and I don't think that – and, you know, maybe it did – not even maybe. I'm sure it had an impact on the
1: way he approached well, Herzog. What was that? Scorsese is the one he gave the bad review to.
0: Oh, j- but I, in this case, I think I know specifically that he he was really close with
1: Herzog. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if he ever. I'm trying to think. I don't if know he if he ever gave it back. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's stick with Scorsese because Herzog is in Life Itself as well. Um, I'm sure he is. Yeah he he calls Roger Ebert a soldier of cinema. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you know, here's it, it winds up. I bet it winds up being kind of cyclical because. When you're friends with somebody and they put out something that you don't like, then you might say they can do better than this, which there's an assumption of quality there that, and maybe you're willing to cut them that slack because you're close with them. But then that's also, you're probably close with them because you, you admire the stuff they did in the first place. And so, you know, you probably would not befriend, you and I would probably not befriend a truly terrible yeah. director.
1: Yeah. You know, I think so this also I, speaks to something you and I share, which is uh, we have roughly the same definition of what patriotism means. Oh, sure. That it's also uh, can be combative mm-hmm. and adversarial. Absolutely. Yeah. And so –
0: yeah, this, this is a very this is a, an interesting topic and one that I feel like would be it'd be interesting to have, for example, like an Amy Nicholson on. Who was uh, in a tank. With, who was in a tank, yeah. <laughs> with, um,
1: with an she's yeah. in
0: a tank, but you know what? She's not in the tank.
1: Let's hope not. All right, that's a good way to get into um, some earbuds. If you want to hear great one-liners, uh, pithy retorts like that, um, and you want to hear them with crystal clarity and look damn good doing it. The way you do that is you go to tweakedaudio.com, T-W-E-A-K-E-D-Audio.com. Now, that's your home for professional quality earbuds in a variety of styles and colors. And if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension, you get uh, all that same stuff for one-third off and no shipping charges. So that's tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Let's get into it, shall we? All right. Um, It's funny. We specifically picked... Because we're, like, doing this um, at a time when we we're both very busy getting ready for Comic-Con and a week and a half out, we picked a light topic mm-hmm. and then spent the first 20 minutes talking about some, like, kind of heady stuff. Yeah. Uh, that is the Battleship Retention way. We can't seem to get out of our own stupid, verbose <laughs> way.
0: Anyway. You know what, though? I do think that, uh, not to pat ourselves on the back, because as... We have noted we seldom come to an actual conclusion that anyone would find right. satisfying. But yeah,
1: that's hardly the
0: point. <laughs> yeah, but it's. But I do think I I do think that these are conversations worth having. And yes, they don't really fit into what do you think of this movie? What do you think of that movie? Which uh, are fun conversations to have as well. They get into what is it to be a film critic? What does it look like? Uh, what effect does does it have if you're friends with artists and all that. I think those are conversations that are important to have. And so, uh, you know, I, I don't mind having them and I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with us having them. Um, okay. Hopefully. So
1: as mentioned, we're at Comic-Con. Yeah. So you have more to say on this? Go, well, ahead. Just, Whoa, go
0: ahead. Okay. Like for example, I was on post-show recaps recently talking about Dawn of the planet of the apes.
1: You have to say it that way now. I
0: do now around you. And so, um, and the review was, uh, viewed favorably on YouTube and that sort of thing. Uh, but one guy and I had a little interaction with him and it turned out very civil. Everything was fine. But, um, but we spend the, the, this guy, Jeremiah that I talked with for the review, uh, we spent the first 10 minutes talking about our history with the planet of the apes franchise you know which ones did we like which one have we seen them all that sort of and, thing
1: had you seen them all i have yes okay
0: some of them i haven't seen in many many years but uh but yeah i've seen them all
1: i've only seen planet of the apes movies that are called planet of the apes 1968 2001 those are the only ones i've seen
0: okay that's an interesting way of phrasing i only <laughs> saw those two um, <laughs> yeah. you should you know not even should i i think it's, you would it, like this, the new ones
1: i'm sure i would uh, yeah it was it's not some sort of like i'm not seeing this isn't your james it, bond it, this thing a protest yeah yeah although quick aside before we get back to your thing i did watch from russia with love the other day mm-hmm. um it still has a lot of the stupid stuff yes and it does it still has him slapping a woman across the face which always upsets me mm-hmm. um i mean unless she has it coming but she didn't in this case right right um
0: was she hysterical
1: uh she was a little bit hysterical all right then um mm-hmm. But uh, you're just, you know, like Chris Rock said, you're supposed to shake them. Just shake the shit out of them. Yeah, (laughs) Um, absolutely. uh, Anyway, uh, I feel uncomfortable talking about that. Uh, But like the gadgets, it has all the stupid stuff. But From Rush With Love is, it does everything. Uh, Again, I can't get behind it and say that I like From Rush With Love. But it is at least sure-footed in its its general stupidity. It
0: feels different than the other ones, I think.
1: And it, well... I think part of it is that it feels like a movie. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like if there were only one James Bond movie and it was this spy thriller called From Rush With Love and James Bond wasn't a franchise, yeah. that would stand on its own. Whereas I think there are a lot of movies in the series that sort of coast on the idea that they're James Bond movies and they hit all these points, yeah. most of which actually From Rush With Love started. You know, a lot of the stuff we think of as the big James Bond stuff isn't in Doctor No. Yeah. Um, although he never says Bond, James Bond in From Rush With Love, which hmm. is interesting uh but um but the things you know the the obviously the the bond girl the gadgets but also the one thing that is the best thing about james bond movies is the location shooting and uh istanbul in from rush with love well what is your so that's that's not Constantinople. (laughs) <laughs> right right okay. uh yeah it, um istanbul looks uh amazing yeah um is very well photographed and so i wanted to just i guess as a you know to show that i'm not just a total jerk yeah uh i do have some respect for certain bond movies like golden eye and like from rush with love yeah. they're still not really my cup of tea but at least i can recognize i don't throw all the bond movies in one sack like i can recognize yeah. that there's some Some quality there. And also, I'll tell you another thing that's huge about From Rush With Love is Robert Shaw. Damn right. Uh, Even though he doesn't speak until more than an hour into the movie. Um, And also, James Bond isn't in the movie until almost 20 minutes in. Yeah, it's very strange. Uh, But yeah, uh, Robert Shaw does lend an air of this is a serious movie that we're watching
0: here. You know what it reminds me of? Uh, A Shot in the Dark. Do you know what that is? The Pink Panther movie? Okay. Based on a play that did not feature... Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Inspector Clouseau. Um, it's it's a, a a murder mystery farce, and then they were going to adapt it into a film, and Pink Panther had done so well that they thought, well, let's just incorporate Inspector Clouseau into this. From Russia with, with Love feels like a standard solid spy movie and then dr no did really well and they said oh let's put james bond in this right yeah it it yeah. again it feels differently when you said okay.
1: a, a shot in the dark by the way for a second i thought you i thought of wait until dark because oh, different yeah from rush with love wait until dark same director oh terrence something i can't remember his name
0: okay that you know what that actually that makes sense i didn't know that that's interesting um okay this came about because I said your James Bond thing, which went to the apes thing, which went to this right. other thing. Okay. So we spent the first 10 minutes talking about the franchise. And this one guy comments saying, hey, everybody, just skip to this time code because the first 10 minutes are a boring, rambling conversation <laughs> about the the their relationship with the franchise. And then I responded with, well, I'm sorry you found that boring. I am of the opinion that you know our history with these movies probably informs the way we view this movie yeah. and that the the viewer might be interested in that and and he said he goes that makes sense to me it was a it was a good conversation but uh, but yeah it just it, it's something that i sometimes need to remind myself you know not everybody is into the the stuff that we do to me it's like well obviously if we're going to talk about yeah. the new planet of the apes movie Because it's it's such a foregone conclusion that we would talk about the the, the first few.
1: And also, like, as someone who is not as smooth as the Planet of the Apes movies, that first 10 minutes you're talking about, I want to listen to that anyway, without having seen the movie. I'm interested in hearing that. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah, I guess once you get into the specifics of the movie, I might be a little lost. Slow down, David. Stop mumbling.
0: (laughs) Yeah, easy there. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, so it's – but that's the thing is that's – I'm not going to apologize for having that conversation, even if this guy didn't like it, because to me – it's crucial. I feel like it, it can't even really be separated from it. It wasn't separated from you know for me while watching the movie. So why should I remove that from the actual review? Right. Um. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. That was. I, I realized we just spent a lot of time with me trying to justify our podcast existence. Um, <laughs> right. Or at least, at least, least for the last year, because that's kind of the tone that the conversations have taken for the last year or so.
1: So now, let's get into it for reals. Mm. Hmm. Um, we're at comic con, but because we're battle super tension, we don't, uh, and we like to do things different. We're going to talk about not the comic, comic book movies you think of, mm-hmm. but the non superhero comic book movies. Yeah. Now, um, I want to ask how you defined it because I had a couple of tricky ones. Uh, yeah. Um, like hellblazer or Constantine, mm-hmm. and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, for instance, are not really superhero stories, right? but they are supernatural. So does that I, – I wrote Constantine down. I drew the line at Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I felt like that's a little too comic booky. But Constantine might qualify as a non-superhero co- comic book movie.
0: I don't know. It's hard to say. Hard to say. Let me ask you this. I, it, it seems to me that V for Vendetta is kind of superheroy. Um, Yeah, I I never saw the movie though. I've read. Okay. I've read the book. But, and then League of Extraordinary
1: Gentlemen, which I never saw. Which, well, of course, it's terrible. And is there a good movie made from an Alan Moore? Or do you like V for Vendetta? I don't it's, think it has it's a not. Good it's reputation. not bad. But I'm tra- I w- that's what I was trying to think of: is is there a good movie made from an Alan Moore uh, graphic novel? And I mean, there are some things to recommend from hell like, oh because damn it i didn't way, write down from hell yeah um but more about the way it looks and the production design which is fantastic yeah and that's the
0: same with uh v for vendetta is uh sometimes they and there are things there are things to recommend in Watchmen.
1: yeah that's true um but so there's but, nothing uh, yeah, there's
0: nothing to recommend in of we extraordinary <laughs> gentlemen
1: and uh, yeah i really don't think because uh, i wonder maybe the part of the reason that alan moore is so against hollywood adapting his his work is because they've never made a good movie from his work, which is fascinating to me because when you look, and again, V for is pretty, it's, it's
0: not bad. It's, it's pretty good actually. And, and I feel like having not read the, the graphic novel, I feel like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think what could have been removed, uh, or changed that made him so angry because this is, it's definitely, uh, a counter, uh, countercultural kind of thing anti-institution i mean it's pretty uh to the point where part of me thought it was a little bit irresponsible which is
1: not a thing i say lightly huh. and have you seen shooter <laughs> that, but yeah, that's a movie that openly advocates for armed uh, revolution
0: absolutely <laughs> and so do you okay so now we're talking about shooter which was not based
1: on a graphic novel damn it right um but stars mark Wahlberg, okay who was in two guns which is based on comics. Fair book. enough. Two right. guns
0: also advocates armed revolution. In fact, that's kind <laughs> of a, it's in Mark Wahlberg's contract now. So uh but yeah, I, I do think uh I, what astounds me is not that not that Alan Moore's, you know, comics need to be adapted verbatim or anything like that, but it just they're all there. It's all there. Especially right. with something like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, you don't really need to change much, you know. But then at the same time, one of my problems with Watchmen is that they didn't change enough.
1: Right, Um yeah. Well, that's, have you read From Hell? Uh, no, I haven't. You should read it, because it's, it's... I read some uh, of it when we lived together. It's ostensibly one of the more sort of stately Alan Moore works, because mm-hmm. it's in black and white. It's a period thing. It's historical. Mm-hmm. But it is secretly the most insane thing yeah. because it's about that it's, it's very much takes as its premise, which the movie kind of shunted to the side, the idea that the Jack the Ripper killings were uh, a um massively orchestrated um what's the what's the cult this not stonecutters, what's the real Freemason. Freemasons. Like yeah. a Masonic ritual. It was basically that the guy the guy who killed him was the royal doctor who was a Freemason and who went insane and used uh, Freemason and Ma- Masonic sort of uh, iconography and rituals uh, in his murders. Uh, and it, it's pr- it's pretty fascinating. It's also like 600 pages. It's yeah, insane. I think
0: that's why I uh, didn't get through a lot of it. I it's think I so probably good, got though. through like I, 50 I've pages. been actually,
1: I have been meaning to read it again.
0: Yeah, it sounds, I mean, I've enjoyed uh, all of the stuff that I've read of his. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so... I feel like V for Vendetta and League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, well, hang on now. Okay. V for Vendetta is an original creation. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, while original in concept, Uh it does take elements from past works back before terms like superhero were ever used. Okay. So I'm reluctant to say that League of Extraordinary and Gentle Extraordinary Gentlemen, let's just say LxG. Obviously, LXG, yeah. Um,
1: <laughs> if if only there had been hashtags, then <laughs> it would have been hashtag LxG.
0: And so I feel like maybe I'm reluctant to say that that one is uh, a superhero super...
1: comic book movie. No, I think it. I th- oh, you're saying it is a superhero? Sorry, yes, a new Wait, hang on. What do you think what I'm do saying? You, why don't you say what you're saying? Yeah,
0: I think. That because it's based on these previous things, uh, each of them may be outlandish, but not necessarily superhero. I'm more comfortable saying that LXG is not a superhero. That's what
1: I said the first time. Uh, Listen back. I said non-superhero comic book movie.
0: Uh, Listen back, because there was another negative in there.
1: What, you think I said non-non-superhero? No, I think you said it. I think, okay, we can't. We can't no, delve into this. No, I see what you're saying, because you said it's not, and I said non-superhero that might, movie. That's what it is. That's why.
0: <laughs> the two of us working together managed to really fuck
1: this up. Talking at cross-purposes. <laughs> um, I love that phrase, by the way. Uh, me too. <laughs> um, and do you know uh, it's in From Russia With Love, which is why it was in my head. Uh, apparently, that movie made quite, uh, <laughs> quite a mark on me. Anyway, uh, and so I was looking up, what are some movies based on... Comic books or, or graphic novels, what have you, uh, that don't have super, superheroes in them. And there was one that I knew this at the time, but I forgot very recently. Uh, Blue is the Warmest Color. The, the Oh, I didn't, movie. I didn't know that. It was was a graphic novel, uh, which I have not read. But uh, did you see Blue is the Warmest Color? I did not. Uh, I think you'd like it. Um, <laughs> you're pa- pausing like you've I'm heard fi- maybe something I'm, other than that.
0: I, you know what? Here's something that I had heard. Man. No, okay. No, it's based on a gra- based on graphic novel, so this okay. is okay. Um, I had heard from people, even people that love it, that um, the some of like the sexuality in it is maybe a little almost exploitative, like really kind of lingers a little too long. I mean, not a, not in a way that really revels in it the way the characters would. And again, this is based entirely on things I've heard, but I heard it from more than one person that liked the movie.
1: Yeah, and I um, I'm not entirely. Um, nuts about the sex scenes, not necessarily that I thought they were exploitative. I do think they get a little boring interesting um, because they are kind of repetitive and go on a long time. Yeah. Uh, but, um, I do think that the, the, the way that the sex scenes are used in blue is the warmest color is interesting enough that I think it would be worthwhile to watch the movie and decide for yourself. Okay.
0: Um, yeah. And I feel like that's, uh, I feel like, cause I think it's, it's on Netflix now, right? I don't know. Okay, and so I don't keep yeah, track of that sort of thing. I had heard it was. Uh, it's an, I guess there are other podcasts that do. <laughs> no that.
1: idea what that means. Um, there are other podcasts that do that.
0: But yeah, it's it was something I had heard. Especially, I'm I don't remember the name of the actress at all. But I heard it was a wonderful performance. Um, yeah. And so, but yeah, that, <laughs> somehow when I had heard I said, that, yeah,
1: because I can't think of her
0: name either. Yeah, it's you know, I, I feel bad about that, but it's a uh, it's a tough one. I'd heard enough great things about it, but then. Almost immediately immediately I had heard this other thing and I thought like, oh, it's, I don't know, for some reason, when dealing with characters that are young and the idea that it's, that it's maybe exploitative of that, like I just had this thought of like, all right, is it, even if it's effective, am I okay with this, oh yeah, geez, Uh, this, this tone, I don't know, it's, is it gussied up in art in order so that the the director and then maybe the audience can
1: uh, titillate themselves? Yeah. I don't know if uh, – I think uh, – It might be too simplistic way of approaching If someone – if like a kid like sneaked a copy of Blue is the Warmest Color because they heard about the sex scenes, they would be like – That is a great way of approaching this. Uh, yeah. Um, they would technically get what they wanted because okay. there are – you know, very graphic and extended sex scenes, but i it's like, be careful what you wish for kind of situation, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that they're that sexy, like, they're not that titillating, and also, the movie is, like, three hours long, and they're, the sex scenes are mostly in the first half. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah, I think the last, like, hour of the movie doesn't have any sex in it, if I remember okay. correctly. Fair enough. Anyway, we're off topic. What, what what was on? What's the most recent one on your list? Most oh, I, know, I know what it is actually. Yeah, it's no, so. it,
0: it's Snowpiercer, um, which I uh, really enjoyed, um, and to the extent also that I
1: based on a French comic book yeah. or graphic novel.
0: Yeah, and I feel like I would enjoy reading that graphic novel. Um, I think as I went through these, how many
1: train cars are there in the movie? I don't know. Oh, they don't say. They probably do, but I I, I don't okay. remember. Because I think in the novel it's something insane, like a thousand. Yeah, Uh, but I don't. I think it was. This one is
0: not. Yeah, this one is not a thousand. In fact, anytime we saw an exterior of the train, I always thought it looks short to me. (laughs) I feel like it should be longer. (laughs) Um, But yeah, and so uh, you know, as as I go through and and made this list, um, I found myself more invigorated at the idea because yes there's snowpiercer there's red there's v for vendetta um you know uh, even scott pilgrim versus the world yeah. um but part of me thinks yes they're not superhero books in nature, uh, uh, specifically, but the nature of them is very similar. It's a Mm -hmm. similar sensibility. I found myself much more intrigued at the notion of, like, a ghost world or American Splendor yeah, or even – maybe even a history of violence and road to perdition, but even those have an action quality to them. The idea of using the graphic novel to tell a story that is not inherently – like visually kinetic, like a superhero story would be is something I find fascinating.
1: Yeah. You should read a graphic novel called, I think it's called Stitches. Okay. The guy's name is like David Smalls. I could be pulling that out of my ass, but it's called Stitches and it's a graphic novel memoir. Oh, okay. Um, It's really fascinating.
0: And I read mouse,
1: which I have never
0: read, which is, uh, harrowing in a, in a number of ways. And I would be fascinated Good God, would I be fascinated to see somebody adapt that.
1: Like animated or?
0: I feel like animated or, and I think specifically stop motion would be, would be a really interesting way of, of doing it. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing with a movie like, you know, American Splendor is an interesting one because the book itself is self-referential after a while it becomes a story about this guy living his life and writing the book that you're reading um which is fascinating and so what i like about that movie is it tried to capture that it didn't try to just say okay so uh this is based this these uh, the comic books are based on reality so we'll just shoot it like reality they do in some cases, but then they constantly break the fourth wall. They incorporate mm-hmm. animation, they incorporate any number of things. And I think that's smart. I, I like it when when these when the makers of these films they recognize that yes, this was this was not an this was not a novel. This was a graphic novel. The the writer thought that this story would be best told in a unique medium even though this story doesn't seem like it would lend itself to that immediately. So as somebody who wants to adapt that, I need to adapt that spirit and try to capture that. And rather than treat this like a kitchen sink drama, mm-hmm. which American Splendor absolutely could have been, uh they try to go they go a different way with it. Now, I would say that uh, Ghost World is similar but not exactly. Ghost World in many ways is fairly straightforward except mm-hmm it has so many outlandish characters in it, maybe not the main three, but it has so many other outlandish characters that it feels like it takes place in a slightly different version of Earth than the one we live on.
1: So, well, you know, um, yeah, well, I feel like we should talk more about Ghost World because it's so great, but I don't know necessarily know what I have to say other than that I really love that movie. That's yeah. one I hadn't seen in about 10 years and watched again somewhat recently, and I don't know if you ever have this, like, do you ever, if you haven't seen a movie in 10 years that you loved, worry that you were, like, just uh, stupid and unsophisticated back then and it'll turn out to be terrible and you've been wrong for 10 years? Constantly. Okay. Well, yeah, I have that a lot. So I felt so... I worry uh, that I'm wrong about a movie I saw last week. <laughs> I was so excited to find the Ghost World uh, holds up and is uh, a really fantastic movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you remember when we lived together? We we watched Ghost World on DVD together, didn't we? I believe so. Mm. And I, think I don't remember now. You might have seen it already. I think I had seen it already. Okay, yes. but you watched it with me when I watched it for the first time, and then we paused it for some reason while. Steve Buscemi is yelling at the slow people crossing oh, yeah, the street. Yeah. And it was one of the greatest, like, <laughs> pause the movie and someone's making a crazy face. We, I, we just laughed at it for five minutes. Uh, but going back to American Splendor and the stitches, the thing I mentioned, and the idea of a graphic novel memoir, uh, have you seen Persepolis? I have not, actually. Again, you would like that one. And that's one that it, it uses um, the the animation which uh, and i haven't read the 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 novel um i would like to but i imagine this is what the novel does too to make essentially like an expressionistic terry gilliam type movie Mm -hmm. but you know you don't have you might not have the the budget of of those kind of movies so you you know it's a true-to-life memoir about some harrowing stuff but also it's being told in this way that's kind of dreamish yeah you know because it's being mixed in with dreams and fil- feelings and in the past, uh, and you can see what's going on in a person's mind um, through animation. And I think uh, that's, um, it, it goes back, it, it speaks to what you were talking about, about um, so many of even the non-superhero comic book movies still being kinetic was your term, like yeah. st- still using that, that fourth dimension and using it in a lot of, in a genre way. Uh, and I think, persepolis is kind of a an echo of that in a non-genre way still using that um that freedom uh very well and you know one thing that uh
0: because i've not read persepolis nor have i seen the film but i've seen you know i've seen stills and stuff and it looks so striking Mm -hmm. um but part of me wonders you know uh, when you're adapting a comic book uh or a graphic novel. I'm probably going to go back and forth because I'm not. I'm I'm not ever going to be comfortable with either of those terms. So uh, <laughs> as the definitive term, I use because yeah. if I say comic book, then I sound like some kind of freaking rube. Um,
1: yeah, I, I I like to just say book whenever I can.
0: It's like when I, it's like. Uh, yeah maybe that maybe that's the way to do it. just book mm-hmm. that sounds good because i don't want to be one of those people who calls an animated film a cartoon
1: you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. and so um do you uh, And incredibles that's a good cartoon you um, know um do you, do you remember uh, natasha leggero's bit about the 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 two people arguing at Rite Aid about how they didn't have enough money to pay for their what they'd bought and one of them was going to have to put their book back and they were both that's an us weekly <laughs> they were referring <laughs> to their us weeklies as books <laughs>
0: anyway that's very funny um and so uh now that's a that's an animated film so literally they could just do their best to animate the comic panels As closely as possible. I mean, whereas a live-action adaptation is one that I I think I'd find more interesting because how do we take this that is uniquely drawn and
1: turn it into something that could work in our world? The directors did that with, uh, what was it called, chicken with plums or something, and it was very bad. Oh, boy. I remember the title. I think that's what it called. It sounds yeah. right to me, yes. Yeah, it was a very bad movie.
0: Okay. Yeah, and so, and that brings me to something like Sin City, where. Which I haven't seen. Where Robert Rodriguez put so much stock in the original book and. Uh, or books, and Frank Miller that he gave Frank Miller a co directing credit, mm-hmm. which is fascinating to me. Um, because I think he. I think Rodriguez thought, well, in good conscience, I can't say that I directed this by myself. He storyboarded
1: the thing. Yeah.
0: Essentially. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, and there are characters, I think all the characters have a unique look to them, but some of them, you know, specifically like Mickey Rourke's character looks like something out of Dick Tracy.
1: Mm -hmm. That's on my
0: list. Yeah. uh, And okay. Yeah. I'll get to that in a moment. And so, Now, Mickey Rourke already has a very striking, one could say horrifying face at this (laughs) point. Um, But they made him and so they could have just shot him, gave him a specific kind of haircut, shot him as is. And there you go. But they don't. They make him up even more and and it fits with the world that they're creating. And so it's it's fascinating they could have they could have just turned Sin City into an animated film and it would have still been interesting and I bet the animation would have looked beautiful. Mm-hmm. But they wanted to see it the film almost feels like an experiment. They wanted to see if they could turn if they could twist our reality to fit the comic book rather than mm-hmm. using the comic book to sort of influence our reality. And so uh so I feel like it's and I'd say for the most part it's successful and it's very interesting. Um, are you going to see
1: A Dame to Kill For?
0: Uh if we get a if we get a screening invite, yes. Uh uh if we don't, then I will wait for the reviews. Okay. And if the reviews are positive, which I think they probably will be, uh honestly, um then yeah, I'll probably see it. I'm I'm kind of uh, intrigued by some of uh some of the stories. Although I know that a lot of the a good portion of the film was was original like it w- oh, okay. was not based on any of the books and so i feel like that could go one way or another
1: um, um unlike a somewhat similar movie 300 which is uh, there's nothing original about it <laughs> it seems like it was made by an algorithm <laughs> yeah but
0: uh, at the same time much as you and i bash 300 that is an example of what i'm talking about with sin city which is um zach snyder in a move that is decidedly unvisionary um decided just okay i'm going to just try and transpo- transpose this yeah and it does make for a unique viewing experience you don't see a lot of movies that look like that and i i admire that i don't I, you know he's not making a lot of original decisions a lot of uh, he's making creative decisions but he's he's not making interpretive Decisions or anything like that. He's just saying, "I want to do this," but some, but that can also be a decision, and it makes for, a, a, at the very least, a visually intriguing
1: film. But it's, oh I mentioned, I mentioned that, uh, I, I described it as being made by an algorithm, uh and it, it also reminded me. Have you watched uh, Extant or Extant? The, no. In the first episode, I only watched the first episode. It wasn't bad. Uh, maybe I'll go back. Uh, but there was a discussion about whether or not human beings have a soul and what that would be. Okay. And, you know, it's as much as I am a, like, non-spiritual, very empirical, secular person, um, there is something to the idea that there is an intangible and ineffable thing about a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I think 300 is the perfect example of a soulless movie because it doesn't seem like there's anything going on behind the movie it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's any of the director and i could i could spend all day trying to define words mm-hmm. for what it is but really what it is is the movie doesn't have any soul at all and i think that's why i don't like it and that's why i find it laughable actually
0: and i wonder okay so i'm i'm gonna stick with this uh, sin city comparison and i wonder because i agree with you like there's something it's just there's a there's a line in collateral where jamie fox is talking to tom cruise and he says he says well you know I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect of like, what is your, what is your problem? Like what other people have, you just don't. (laughs) And it feels like that's, that's,
1: yeah. I'm not sure if I'd say soulless, but that's not far off. Whereas the word I usually, the term I usually think of in terms of movies instead of soul is point of view, but sometimes that gets misconstrued to mean message, which is not what I mean by point of view. I mean, literally it like someone's viewpoint, someone's perspective on the world is being reflected in this movie or the movie is being reflected through it. Yeah. And, and by Zack Snyder
0: not making a choice Mm -hmm. really, Yeah, I mean, he makes a choice and it is definitely a choice and it's to just adapt this as directly as possible. But by doing that and not, and not really embracing that, yes, it's comic books, are very similar to film i mean from i mean they're framed they both have frames but it's not the same and so i think I, where, whereas can I, I do think th- of a,
1: kind of another analogy that i just thought of sure uh zack snyder's 300 is like driving to a place that you are very familiar with and you know where it is but using your gps to get there anyway which I do all the time, by the way. I do, but too. I don't think of driving as an—it's not, not self-expression to me. It's not an yeah. art form. I'm just hoping the GPS will get me there the fastest way. But it is the same—it's the same thing. There's no—you Uh, I'm not, you know, if I'm driving another way, I'm making a choice at every intersection. Yeah. In this way, I'm making one choice at the beginning, which is to put the address into the GPS and yes. hit start navigation, and then that's how yeah. I get there. Go so where I'm, that leads. I just, I'm just just having, like, an analogy Avalanche. I've got another view. one. Here we go. <laughs>
0: There's a scene in Cronenberg's *The Fly* where they send a raw steak through the uh, teleporter uh-huh. or whatever, and uh, on the other side, it tastes synthetic. There, it's missing something. Uh-huh. Like it, it's not organic like it used to be. They Eat it raw? No, I don't think they eat it raw. But I think they send it through and then, then cook it and then, then grill then, it up. Yeah. So. Uh, and yeah, and so it's, it just feels like something gets lost in the translation, whereas Sin City, I feel like, actually does have a fair amount of heart. And some of that might be the fact that Robert Rodriguez and Frank Miller, they're not adapting just one book. They're adapting three, and the three that they decided to adapt and put into one film sort of, um, I don't know, it's sort of, uh, I can't think of the word, damn it. I don't have it either. Oh, it's stuck in my head. That's frustrating. Um, but I don't know. It, it, let's say informs. It, it informs how we view the film as a whole. So that's a series of choices at a very base level. But then also by having the creator of the original thing and the interpreter of the new thing working together, you're able to hold on to the intent of the original and somebody who's deeply aware of the language of film. And so with Zack Snyder, I think you have somebody who's aware of the language of film, but is only, but is guessing at the intent and just figures, okay, well, if I just do the thing as is, then that'll translate, right? And it won't. Mm -hmm. Clearly it doesn't. And so, so yeah, Sin City is one that I think, uh, I don't know, and and they're both you know they're both by frank miller so i feel like you can see a very clear right. one works and one doesn't and again 300 works for a lot of people it doesn't for me but sin city worked for me all the way down the line maybe it's maybe it's a genre thing i do like film noir so um, so okay uh, let's let's uh, jump around here a
1: little bit more um, okay we've talked about weirdly a lot of the ones on my list it feels like we've only talked about a few movies but we've mentioned a lot of this stuff yeah. We haven't gone
0: into a lot of detail about some of these. I will. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to uh, defer to you on road to perdition. Cause I never read the the graphic okay. novel of that. I know they made a lot of changes. Um, yeah. and I remember again, when we lived together, I think I glanced through it and, and found it, you know, very visually striking, but striking in a way that's very different than the film.
1: Yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's a very pulpy book. Mm-hmm. Um, where, which is not to say the movie isn't. The movie has a lot of pull, but it's also a Sam Mendes film that's injected with a lot of uh, gravitas, gravitas, mm-hmm. uh, earned or otherwise. I don't know. That's one, like Ghost World, I really need to revisit or to perdition to see. Because yeah. I liked it at the time, but it's like looking back at it, I'm not sure that I would like it. I didn't, I didn't to... flip for it at the time,
0: but there are things about it that I really responded to. If anything, I think I would have a greater appreciation for the... Uh work of conrad hall this Mm -hmm. time that's a film because i do own it because i bought it for for cheap Uh, i've rewatched it a couple of times it has stayed my opinion has stayed pretty much the same but as i uh as i made my list of the dvds that i would that i'd be perfectly fine switching over to blu-ray that was one of them because i think it's going to be gorgeous yeah i'm sorry i interrupted go ahead
1: Uh, i don't have much else to say other than uh yeah there's it, you know, normally when a when a book when a novel gets adapted to a movie, they take stuff out. But mm-hmm. they, I think, if you made Road to Perdition exactly the way it unfolds in the in the book, it would probably only be like an hour long. It's not. Oh, interesting. Uh, so they, they, yeah, they added. I think they added characters, but they definitely drew out the story, mm-hmm. and they did change uh, one major plot point. Yeah. Um, to make the movie at least have a little bit of hope because it's not a very hopeful story in general. It's called yeah. Road to Perdition, you know. It's kind of there in the title, but there is uh, there is some hope at the end of the movie that there isn't at the end of the book.
0: And let me ask, okay, let me ask you this, and because I feel like you know more about graphic novels than I do, maybe not so much so anymore, but certainly ten years ago, you had you know just you bought them on a pretty pretty regular basis. And yeah, I've through gone them.
1: through phases, and I want to get back into it. I, but I say that every year around Comic-Con. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, Road to
0: Perdition, and, and uh, shoot, what's the name of the graphic novel? Um, it's called Road to Perdition. Ooh. Is it? But isn't it? Isn't it based on something else? I don't know. I think it's called Road to Like Perdition. something in cub?
1: Oh, it, yeah, I guess it is inspired by Lone Wolf and Cub. Lone Wolf and Cub. Okay. But it's not... All right.
0: Yeah. But the graphic novel, um, based on your description, like you said, there's not a lot of hope. And it's incredibly violent and the kid kills plenty of people and the father doesn't give a shit. And he's just, and it's just kind of this. Well, that's kind of the
1: thing. I guess we're spoiling word of prediction, but that's the kind of the thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Whereas the movie is about, um, you know, like Paul Newman says, it's in the trailer. Paul Newman says, none of us will see hell. And Tom Hanks says he might, what's his name? Michael, Michael could. could. Yeah. And that's the point of the movie is that, uh, taking as read from the beginning, that Tom Hanks character is damned and is unsavable. But, there is this glimmer of hope that he could make a better life for his son. Whereas the graphic novel gives up the ghost pretty early on that now let, and, and has the son be corrupted.
0: Now let me ask you this and I'll incorporate it into a discussion of a history of violence, um, which I did read and I've seen the film many times. It was my favorite movie of that year. And I never read that one. Yeah. It's not that great. Actually. <laughs> um, the movie is much, much better, but let me ask you this. Okay. History of violence is just a story of a guy's past coming in both cases, the story of a guy's past coming back to to haunt him. But it's just in the graphic novel it's it's way it's way more cut and dry. The mob is not represented by his own brother hmm. or anything like that. In fact, his, the mob has has done terrible things to his brother, so he goes and just kills them all. So it's just complete revenge uh and and it's easy you know um and so like oh and also the the guy himself when he was younger the thing that he did he did sort of just as a punk kid he wasn't even he wasn't a part of the mob whereas Hmm. in the movie he's very much he's he's kind of a sunny corleone type he's hot-headed he's violent and he causes a lot of trouble especially for his older brother who's much more uh, entrenched and mm-hmm. and kind of a, a company man so so in the movie you have this situation I mean it's you know it's Cronenberg who brings a lot to it and he, he brings again I, if people are fans of graphic novels I apologize for how this might sound he brings significance to a story that otherwise was just meant to be hey awesome <laughs> and that's kind of it and it almost is – and I feel like it's the same with Road to Perdition where the filmmakers seem to say, yes, that's all well and good for the world of graphic novels. But this is a movie and there is an assumption with movies that they are going to build towards something, that they're going to be about something, or at least for, for those specific directors. Uh, regardless of what somebody might think of Sam Mendes, he's a director who I think is at least thoughtful and tries to do things. Um, and sometimes he wears
1: his trying on his sleeve a little bit. No question <laughs> about it. I, you know, um, even in movies, I defend like Revolutionary Road. Mm-hmm. You know, he has things like. Did you see it, Revolutionary Road? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we talked about it. Um, DiCaprio running down the street in slow motion. Yeah, it's like he didn't need to do that. Yeah. I mean, like, I know what just happened. Obviously, he's going through some shit. You know, I didn't need <laughs> to see this. <laughs> um, and so,
0: I don't mean to imply. It, Uh, because you know we're talking about Persepolis and Ghost World and and various works by Alan Moore these are things with genuine significance Mm -hmm. Um, but let me uh, 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 we like analogies let's go with this one it seems like the graphic novel is the indie film of the comic book world in that I think people ascribe significance they project significance onto it where it hasn't, you know, there are plenty of terrible indie films out there. Yeah. And just because you and I may not th- be thrilled with the the state of mainstream film, that doesn't mean that something being indie automatically makes it good. And in that yeah. same way, I feel like the graphic novel is something that is um that is viewed as somehow more legit than like a mainstream comic book.
1: But um the thing you're getting at here which is
0: uh yeah, I'm kind of talking all around something and
1: but uh, it seems what you're talking about is the idea of taking something from the page and fleshing it out more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a, uh, there, there's, there's a preconceived or, or, uh, pre existing bias to where it's, so you know what we were, we were talking with Aaron Gibson a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. about female led comedies. And if yeah. one doesn't do well, it starts the conversation of women aren't funny anymore mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe that was just a bad movie, you know? And so when it comes – if, you know, History of Violence or even Road to Perdition, if they add more to it, yeah. there is this – I think in the back a lot of people's minds, this knee-jerk thing was like, oh, that's because comics are a less serious art form as mm-hmm. opposed to maybe this particular comic just didn't have right. – You know, if you look at The Godfather, I don't know if you read that book. It's, eh. I mean, did, you, did you read it?
0: Uh, I know a lot about an entire – like, section of the book being devoted to, like, Sonny's ex-lover or something like that. And something about her giant vagina or something. <laughs>
1: There's that's And that's exactly what we're talking about. Like, it, by the way, The Godfather is an enjoyable read, but it's trashy. It's yeah. a very superficial novel. Yeah. And one of the greatest movies of all time was made for it. But people don't say, like, that novels are a less worthy art form. That right. was just not a particularly good one. and They made a good movie out of it. Right. So maybe that's what happened with history of violence. I didn't see the, I didn't read the, uh, the, the source, uh, and, and I would argue *Road to perdition as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't, it's not because they're comic books they I'm right. adding something that comic books don't have. Yeah. They're just adding something that maybe that comic book didn't have.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I apologize if it made it sound like I was uh, talking about graphic novels in general, but I feel like they're, There'd be some people who would say, oh, well, they they shouldn't be changed. Like, look, ha- look at Road to Perdition. Look at right. A History of Violence. And it's like, yeah, but those stories aren't inherently, aren't really that compelling. They're just mm-hmm. violent, and that's it. And they might be visually interesting, but there's potential in them. And these filmmakers, maybe because they thought well i'm making something that's going to be on a very large screen in front of people i can't tell this exact story i think i'm going to do something else inspired by this story and so um i don't know it's i guess we're i guess i'm kind of delving into the idea of adaptation which we've talked about before Mm -hmm. which is there's nothing wrong with while i appreciate stuff like the maltese falcon and no country for old men which takes their their movies almost exactly from the book with a yeah. couple of exceptions here and there. Um, you know, I also appreciate something like, you know, LA confidential, which is miles away from the
1: book. Um,
0: and they're, two, and they're, two, yeah. and they're I, two separate entities, you know,
1: I made the mistake. And I think we talked about this when we talked about adaptations of watching LA confidential, like literally the day after I finished reading the novel Oh yeah, and it nice. did not have the impression on me that it deserved. And now I like LA confidential a lot. Yeah but uh i did not enjoy watching it the first time because hmm. it felt so so thin in comparison yeah doesn't it um although that, that said I've come to not like James Elroy very much, so I wonder if I went back and read L.A. Confidential if I would like it less than I did in high school.
0: Well, friend of the show, Jason Eakin, just read it for the first time and said he was just bowled over
1: by it okay. and thought it was amazing. Well, I finally read The Black Dahlia maybe two years ago, and mm-hmm. I thought it was a stupid book. I didn't like it very much at all.
0: I read his his uh, memoir, My Dark Places, which was actually very, very interesting because it's that James Elroy style, adapt, uh, you know, uh, not adapted, but like, applied to his own life which is actually a very sad tragic life um you know his uh, mother was brutally murdered mm. and it's mostly about him coming to grips with w- the impact that that had on him and that kind of thing it's very it's very interesting
1: um do you know there's a band called the black dahlia murder and they're really good and, but they're from like illinois i think okay to me, that seems weird because I think of the Black Dahlia murder as being so quintessentially Los Angeles yeah, and being so tied into Los Angeles yeah, that it's weird to me that a Midwestern band would take that as their name. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of... You should be named after Ed Gein or... or, or Yeah, or, or, St. Uh,
0: Valentine's Day Massacre or something <laughs> yeah, like there that. there you
1: go. <laughs> It's a bit of a long title, but... Um, <laughs> There's yeah. probably been a band called that.
0: So, I've, so I, I feel like, again, I feel like I've been very... I, I'm a little sleepy, and so I'm a, I've am been a little nondescript in, in certain things. But, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's the same with... I guess what I'm going back to is this idea when people say the book is better. Mm-hmm. And this could apply to graphic novels as well. Now, in some cases, for example, Everything by Alan Moore, that is the case. But that is not a universal by any stretch.
1: Right. But do you think... Is there, like, when did you, how long ago did you read A History of Violence?
0: I read it, uh, how long ago from now? Let's see.
1: I I guess I'm trying to get an idea of how old you were.
0: Oh, I was, um, let's see. The movie came out in 2005. I read the graphic novel after that. I was probably, I was probably 24, 25.
1: So, because one thing I wonder about adaptations, which seems to become the sub (laughs) topic of this episode Mm -hmm. Um, When I have that reaction that the movie is better than the source material. Yeah. Sometimes I wonder, well, maybe the movie just literalized some stuff that was actually there. Like maybe all mm-hmm. the deeper stuff is in the history of violence book. It's just not as like David Cronenberg just brought it to the surface and made it a little bit easier. And maybe you missed it. You know, because I, I, and I, I don't know because I haven't read that, but I had that experience with the talented Mr. Ripley. Mm. Of thinking, when I read it when I was in high school, maybe just out of high school, thinking, um, uh, oh, this, you know, this is just a, you know, it's a well-told but fairly straightforward murder mystery story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it doesn't have all this stuff about the, all all this character stuff and this disturbing, you know, personality to it. Mm -hmm. And in retrospect, I realized, oh, of course it did. Of course all that stuff was there. Yeah. I just... Missed it because I was seventeen or whatever, Mm -hmm. uh, and it didn't sink in. Um, Have you ever worried about that?
0: Uh, In I mean, I I, in some cases, yes. Um, And I guess one thing that I that I want to ask, and I guess maybe you're the person to ask, even though there are people that know more about graphic novels and comic books than you. I'm literally the
1: only other person in the room. (laughs) Right? Yeah. You have to. And between the two of us,
0: (laughs) you know. And I'm not going to ask myself. You'll never get a straight answer. But what, you know, do you think, you know, graphic novels like books or plays or movies, there is a, you know, a story to them. And Uh so in theory, people want the same thing out of story no matter what medium it's in. And I throw that out there. Uh, so that I can basically dispel it, because um, uh-huh. I'm not sure if because I, I don't know if I actually agree with that, but um, but that's the that's the theory is that the same thing, the same story beat, could be satisfying in a movie as in a book, uh, if it's this if it's a similar story and this moment happens, mm-hmm. it'll it'll touch on the same thing. So, my question for you is: Do you think that people read graphic novels? for the same reason or with the same uh, the same expectation as seeing a movie?
1: Um, I guess they do read it. For, I think people do read these things for the same reason. Okay. Um, but I do think one thing I learned from my period my brief bursts of being into comics and stuff mm-hmm. is that you do have to teach yourself to read comic books right there's there's a way to read it that becomes once you've once you get into the groove it becomes second nature but it's not uh it's not immediately apparent and so that's kind of it kind of goes back to what i was saying about the history of violence uh or towns of mr ripley which is not a comic that's a novel but mm-hmm. um it it there is a danger of a comic book seeing seeming more superficial at first read if you aren't familiar with no. the the medium.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's that might be some of the issue. Like one of the things that I have a problem with with Watchmen is that they adapted the comic book pretty closely, in some ways, pretty closely uh, when they, they made changed it. the end. They but... changed the end and they changed some of the costumes so that it looks again, the one of the in my opinion, one of the points of Watchmen is that it has to be conceivable uh, in the world we live in, whereas they just he hid it to the extent that's like, all right, well, now I'm just watching another one of these.
1: Yeah, he <laughs> Zack Snyder translated everything faithfully except the point.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so. Uh, so, yeah, but one of the things that it, one of the reasons that for me it doesn't work is that, yes, OK, this was made in twelve sections each one was meant to be a unique thing that Mm -hmm. yes contributes to a larger whole but films I'm not saying I'm not saying that every film needs to be a three act structure but most films fall into that whether they're even trying to or not it's just natural and that is and one of the reasons that that happens is because there is an inherent satisfying quality to it uh, as far as what we like in dramatic art and Watchmen is most certainly not a three act structure right And so, and that's the thing is, so something like, you know, I don't know how, how much, how long, uh, Road to Perdition is uh, as a book, but let's say it's a hundred pages. Let's say a page a minute. So let's say it's a hundred pages and the movie is a hundred minutes. Um, you know, where there is not an expectation for a clear character arc, um, not to imply there isn't one, but there isn't the expectation for one, uh, a hundred pages of just father and son just decimating the Chicago mob in the 1930s (laughs) might be more inherently satisfying than, you know, might be more inherently satisfying as a comic book. And then they, and then Sam Mendes and, and I forget who, who adapted the, the screenplay, but, um, they look at that and realize, okay, there's good stuff here, but we can't just have a hundred minutes of violence leading towards nothing except uh-huh. just a, a completely – it's not even that we need a hopeful ending. We just need – we need these characters striving for something. Right. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, we've, re- we've really zeroed in on this. I think it's because, frankly, <laughs> I've seen – history of violence and read the book, you've read the book road to perdition. And so like it, and both of them ha- are tremendously violent. And in both cases, well, at least in history of violence, I way, I, I way responded to way responded. I responded to the movie way more.
1: I like way. Than, responded. I way
0: responded yeah. to it guys.
1: I responded hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, and I have a bit of a, hesitation to say the same about road to perdition because i do have some uh, i don't know what's the word i'm looking for uh, uh some reservations about that movie yeah but uh whereas history of violence i have no reservations about saying that's a great movie yeah uh but uh yeah i agree um okay. anything else you really wanted to talk about i didn't mention um asian movies in which a lot Movies get based on right. mangas and stuff like that, but like old boy mm-hmm. and uh, Ichi the killer um Akira uh, but um yeah I guess Akira counts now I've never seen old boy I don't know why that is yeah, uh, check I, it was, out.
0: I was going to watch it with some friends, and then for a while, I don't think this is the case anymore, but for a while uh, the uh the only version available on Netflix was dubbed. Ooh. And so well, I,
1: I have the DVD. I could always lend it to you.
0: Okay, whenever I have any time. Okay. So maybe I will say in this one,
1: old boy, and I, at the risk of pissing off the movie's acolytes, y- it okay. It is a movie that doesn't play as well once you know the twist. Oh, okay. Because I, I rewatched it before the Spike Lee version came out, um and even though I never ended up seeing the Spike Lee version. And I still found a lot to love about the execution of the story, but um the the impact of the movie definitely wasn't wasn't there when I knew from the beginning what the twist was
0: and I feel like I'm actually pretty lucky that I have gone this long without knowing <laughs> what the twist to old boy is so uh so yeah i'm i I want to see it it's everyone says that I'll love it, and I have no doubt that I will um but yeah it's uh and you know it's it's interesting. A lot of these movies uh, on my list, from Old Boy to Sin City to Scott Pilgrim to Red V for Vendetta, Snowpiercer. As I said before, they all seem to take place in in the world between the Avengers and us. Mm-hmm. You know. They're not completely there, but they're on their way, and I don't know. It's it's something that stri- with with the, a couple of exceptions, maybe be, being like uh, V for Vendetta or something like that, but um, almost as though the the filmmakers who adapt these, they feel like okay, well, I'll, I'll make this almost in a. Uh, in a science fiction kind of way, or I'll try and right. do it in this. I'll make it heightened, but they don't want to heighten it to the level of these other comic book movies, like superhero comic book movies, yeah. because they, they feel like, well, no, this isn't a superhero thing. So I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go an, another way with it. And likely the, it'll be rated R. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I don't know. It's just, it's something that strikes me as, as interesting. And, you know, and with, the exception, of course, as always, uh, being Zack Snyder's Watchmen, where that's one where, the again, the point is that it it's meant to be done like freaking you know, Bicycle Thieves or something like that. But he shoots it like any other superhero movie, yeah. thus negating the point.
1: Still got the R rating, though. Oh, absolutely. Very much
0: so, yes. Yes. That weird, among other things, that weird sex scene with the Leonard Cohen song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I had forgotten about the i had forgotten about the soundtrack part of that yeah oh, what a ridiculous thing okay um we should wrap up yeah yeah um, i want to run we didn't we barely talked about scott pilgrim which i expected it was near the top of my list i expected we'd talk about it more but that's all right scott pilgrim's great uh we didn't talk about the crow uh we didn't talk about but Ar-
0: that seems that's i mean that's basically batman that seems okay. like superhero
1: to me If you say, if you say so um, that. we could have had a great conversation about that.
0: We can have that no, now if too, you want. No, it's
1: too late. We're okay. moving on. No, um, no,
0: David, I've been talking far <laughs> too long. If you have,
1: if you have something to say about, uh, about the crow, then go right I ahead. I don't know that I have that much okay. to say about it, but I don't know that it counts as, um, a superhero thing. It's not like Batman because he's not, um, the, the character, I forget his name, is not, uh, he's not trying to save the world he's right. uh in in an old boy type way he's he's come back only long enough to get revenge on specifically the people who killed him and his fiance, mm-hmm. uh and that seems a little less superheroish to me um i mean it's it's heightened because obviously he's a ghost and yeah stuff but it's uh I don't think of it as a superhero. That's true. Cause even I don't think of I, him as a hero in that sense at all.
0: Yeah. Even the punisher takes this one thing that was done to him. Not, not unlike Batman and does larger things yeah. with it. So yeah. yeah, I guess that's true.
1: Okay. So we didn't, talk about the, we didn't talk about art school confidential, but that's okay. Cause it's not very good. Uh, we didn't talk about the mask, but I haven't seen that in a billion years. So I don't have anything to say about it. <laughs> Hard to say, because
0: even in the movie, he even refers to himself as a superhero.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, we didn't talk about Blade, but he's kind of a superhero. Yeah, right? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, what else didn't we talk about? Time Cop. Uh, we barely mentioned Dick, Dick Tracy, and we didn't talk about Men in Black. Those are the ones on my list we didn't talk about.
0: Yeah, and I, I looked through all those, and uh, Dick Tracy's an interesting one, because everything about it seems superhero. Uh I mean, like he has the rogues gallery of Spider-Man basically. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, and he himself is upright and he, you know, uh, and he lives in a very heightened world. It, and certainly the movie, it, it feels almost like a superhero type of thing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, technically it isn't. I mean, it's just, it's basically a a cop story, but with, in a, in a grotesque world where, the inner is the outer, yeah. Um, yeah. But I, it's here's what I was gonna say, and I and I'm I'm going back and forth because I feel like we've said it before. When is the last time you saw Dick Tracy?
1: I was a kid. I was a little kid.
0: Okay, because I feel like you made fun of me once for it, because uh, for loving it as much as I do.
1: No, I asked, just very genuinely asked okay. if it was actually good. Okay, because I had no idea, and All you right. and I think West uh chimed in and said yes it actually uh is good yeah and there are probably people who don't like it but yeah um, i love it so much but yeah i mean when i when i saw it it was like that was the thing i knew who madonna was from (laughs) if that makes sense because i wasn't old enough to really have an idea of pop music and saying what songs i just know what was on the car you know on in the car when i was driving
0: yeah, and I so think like, to this day, that's what I think. Uh, that and, <laughs> and Evita are what I know Madonna from.
1: You don't think of her music first? You still think of her movies first?
0: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, what I've heard of her music is like, oh, that's nice. That's fine. But, yeah, that's just not, uh, I just don't think I'm in the right age range. Uh, maybe if I was like five You're in the five same years- age
1: range I'm in. I know her music. Yeah, but I feel like, did you
0: seek seek out her music?
1: Um, Yeah, I guess I would have.
0: I feel like if you and I were five years older, we wouldn't have had to seek it out to know it.
1: Do you know know what I was thinking about? This is off topic a little bit, but along the same lines. um, Weird Al has been putting out some new songs, as we Mm -hmm. talked about in the last episode. Um, And... That first I, world problem song, though I don't
0: like the the concept of first world problems, it, it always seemed like a way to tell people to shut up.
1: Yeah, um, I don't like it either. But I like the song. That song is great. The song and the video is very good. It is. Um, but uh, uh, but speaking of his parodies specifically, like in the nineties, I would know pop songs and then I would hear the Weird Al parodies. Mm-hmm. And now it's the same way. I know these songs, then I hear the parodies. But there was a there was a decade there. Where there were songs that I knew the weird out. I only came to know oh, them. Yeah. Like, the, like his biggest hit of all time, White and Nerdy. is based on a Flo Rida song called "Ryden," Yeah. Which I had never heard until after... I checked it out after I heard White and Nerdy. Yeah. Oh. But it's... it's Jurassic helpful,
0: Park. Uh-huh. To the tune of MacArthur, <laughs> MacArthur Park. <laughs> well, that's Sung different. by Richard
1: Harris, of all people. Um, um, that's different because that's, that wasn't a currently popular song.
0: Right. Which, not only was it not current... It wasn't even current five, ten, fifteen years ago. It was yeah, a solid twenty years before. Yeah. and I'm just. But it's making me wondering. Make, made me, it made me wonder when I found that out. Like, who was this for?
1: <laughs> uh, now, but now, but now I'm wondering if the fact that I know these Iggy Azalea and Lord and Pharrell Williams songs. Um, uh, am I losing my edge? Am I not cool anymore now that I already know the pop songs before Weird Al parodies them? I, or I is that... being slavishly devoted to everything Weird Al does not cool? Now it's cool again, right? I think it's... I, I think it's always been cool, personally, by my personal definition to cool. Well, if you
0: value comedy, he has never... He's he's really only ever done what he wants to do, mm-hmm. pretty much always.
1: Yeah. And if you heard his new thing now, he's like, this is... this. Mandatory Fun is the last album he's ever going to do.
0: That is what I've heard. yes. I find that very interesting. Let me ask you this: here's here's the big here's the snob that uh-huh. comes out. This is the conversation. Do you like his parodies or her or his originals more? Uh
1: it's um, it, uh, I I don't have a I don't put them into like camps where I like one more than the other. I mean, if you asked me to name my top ten uh, Weird Al songs, you would very likely get five of each mm-hmm. you know so i mean i tell you what i enjoy
0: the originals uh i was gonna go with the third option because that's how awesome the medleys uh medleys are fun i that's a, a fourth option his poke medleys which are kind of fun uh i like his uh his artist or genre homages where right. he like, calls them like, pastiches okay yeah like dare to be stupid is not reference to any specific devo song right but it, f- it completely feels like Devo.
1: Which is what this First World Problems feels like a Pixies song. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't, it's not, yeah, it's not a specific Pixies song.
0: Which I kind of love. I think that's uh-huh. an, uh, first off, I think that's a fascinating
1: way of approaching it. And then, well, the one he did off the last thing off of Internet Leaks, uh, Craigslist, which was the Doors Pastiche oh, with, yeah. with Rayman's Eric on keyboard, was <laughs> awesome. I loved that.
0: There's a song, maybe one of my favorite originals of his is one that he released a few, a uh, couple years ago. Um called Skipper Dan. It's that's
1: also one of my favorites of all time.
0: It's amazing and so so depressing. (laughs) Yeah. How like it's almost it feels as though he knew a guy who was a tour guide on the jungle cruise ride Uh and hated him and decided (laughs) I'm gonna do a whole song about how your life is nothing. (laughs) Your life is just shit. It's yeah, it felt like I don't know, it just You don't think he has any
1: compassion for the guy? no no not at all <laughs> maybe i'm projecting compassion onto him because i have compassion for skipper dan so that uh this episode ended in a weird place but uh quite literally i don't know what you mean weird owl. oh yes Damn, I'm dumb. I was thinking, <laughs> what place are we? All right. Incidentally, uh, he was on Never Not Funny this week. You should yeah. listen to it. And he'll be at Comic-Con, too. So maybe I'll go see him there. Um, we should get him on the show, David. Let's get Weird Al on the show. Okay. Um, I hope you came to our meetup and had a great time. We had a great time without you if you weren't there and you're stupid for not showing up. That's true. Uh, you can find us at com. That's where you can find this podcast and all the other podcasts in the BB- BP fleet. And that's where you can find all of our movie reviews. Um We'll have a uh, Guardians of the Galaxy review up uh, this um, this week from from Scott, uh, and then you can email us David at Battleshippretension com or Tyler at Battleshippretension com. You can follow me on Twitter at the Pretension. You can follow Tyler at More Lessons. That's the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson. What's going on over there?
0: Well, nothing now. <laughs> okay. I'm shutting the whole site down because you led up to it with that. No, um. We're continuing our best of pictures series, uh-huh. and uh, we uh, talked about uh, American Beauty this uh, this this week. And um, uh, the format that has sort of emerged is talking about the film itself, our response to it, then our response now. Uh-huh. Talking about the the other movies that were nominated for picture, it, and if we think this deserved it, or one of the other nominees, and then also of the mo- notable movies that were released that year. Should one of those won Best Picture? Now, American Beauty was a 99 release. In your opinion, uh-huh. and, maybe, and maybe you don't know it immediately. Yeah. Uh, what 99 movie, because I know that neither of us Oof. think American Beauty should have won. What 99 movie do you think should have won?
1: That's really tough to It say. is tough. Um, I mean, I love being John Malkovich. That definitely yeah. would be up there. Um, I don't know. That is too, too difficult to say off the top of my head. Probably yeah. not Talented Mr. Ripley yeah as much as i love it i think there are other things um but uh i'm trying to think like the 99 movies that leap to mind for me are being john malkovich and three kings
0: three kings is up there for me as is and i know you don't like it that much but uh magnolia oh um and also you know what topsy-turvy oh yeah yeah
1: that's a good one that's a wonderful i need a wonderful that. movie all right. In um, my other podcast is called "Hey, watch this" with Paul and David. I don't know what we're talking about this week because I'm not on the show. Uh, it's Paul and somebody else talking about something. Uh, that's some can, bullshit. Yeah, probably. Um, so that's it. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye.